Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style. From Packers.com, Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz, coming to you from our humble abodes. And Wes, today we're going to move on with our draft preview series regarding the Packers roster, where things stand. We're going to look at the trenches. We're going to call it the day in the trenches, the offensive and defensive lines. And, you know, you look at this Packers offensive line, if the season started tomorrow, you know who your starting five is. But when it comes to maybe some planning for the future, especially at the offensive tackle position, the Packers are definitely looking at some things in this 2020 draft. Yeah, and if you go back, Mike, all these drafts, offensive line, defensive line, if there's anything that there's almost a certainty of, it's the Packers will draft at least one player from both of those positions. Defensive line, they've done it in 24, 25 consecutive drafts now. But your question is valid. Offensive line, offensive tackle is going to be an issue and an interesting thing for the Packers to potentially explore because Brian Belaga is gone. Rick Wagner is here. But as we saw last year when Belaga went down, then you had to go get Jared Valdir to come in and help out at right tackle. Who could potentially be that swing tackle candidate for them this year? That is going to be the thing that I'm going to have my eye on. Alex Light is back. Certainly you have guys like, you know, even Elaine Taylor, who's still on the roster right now. He could potentially help out there as well. But I think they want to probably get a guy in the system with David Bakhtiari now 28, 29 years old, Rick Wagner also 30. You want to get a young guy to work with them and really get a chance to develop them, much like Balaga did with Bakhtiari seven years ago. Yeah, you look at the offensive tackle situation, and Rick Wagner, he entered the league three years after Brian Balaga, but he's essentially the same age as Balaga. Then you also have David Bakhtiari. He's heading into the final year of his contract. As far as the other options at offensive tackle, Billy Turner maybe could play there. You mentioned Lane Taylor maybe could play there in a pinch. You have Alex Light with a little bit of experience. Yash Nyman is back from an injury. He'll be another guy to compete for a backup role on this roster. But in terms of planning for the future, yeah, you'd really like to get one of the top offensive tackles if you can in this draft. Obviously, a lot of that depends on how things fall with the Packers sitting at 30 in the first round, 62 in the second round. It's going to be hard to find somebody after that. I mean, the David Bakhtiaris of the world, finding a franchise offensive tackle and a left tackle at that in the fourth round, that, uh, that doesn't happen every day. It, do, it doesn't happen, uh, you know, even maybe more than once in about a decade or two. Packers very fortunate there. They've made the most of everything with Bakhtiari. I think they'd like to keep him in Green Bay even beyond this final year of his contract. But it's about planning for the future with Rick Wagner, the age that he is. And as you said, having a, a potential swing guy who could back up at both spots and develop behind a couple of uh, established pros. Yeah, and this is something that you and I discussed uh, on our last show with the receiver position. You got Devin Funches in the system now. This is a young man that allows you to have flexibility. You don't have to necessarily go out and use a high pick on receiver. You can if you want to, but you're not pressing for need. The same thing, that's what happened with Rick Wagner. And I think actually Wagner is even more important now when you look at what could be a really truncated off-season program. We don't know what will happen with the training camp. You don't want to throw a rookie out there right away off the bat. You want a guy like Wagner that started 100 games in the NFL to this point and is going to be able to help out. I have to deviate from this for a second, though, Mike, and bring up Lane Taylor again because if you go back, back to January. Oh, yeah. Back to February. Wes Hodkowitz, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I'm just trying to reiterate, Lane Taylor's a good football player here, folks. Wes Hodkowitz kept saying Lane Taylor is not going to get cut. 
If you know anything about his contract, if you know any of the way that what he's gone through, the way they structured that, it wasn't like he was going to be a big cap casualty. It reminded me a lot of what happened with Brian Balaga last year. He was making good money, absolutely, but he wasn't making the most at his position. So by having Taylor back, by re-signing Lucas Patrick, extending him, you have Billy Turner coming back. Elton Jenkins, I think, is going to be a 10-year pro in this league. For yep. as many questions as the Packers have to answer as far as who that swing tackle is going to be, they have a lot of options on that interior offensive line in one of the deepest interior offensive lines that I can recall in my time covering this team. Yeah, the Packers are definitely in good shape depth-wise on the interior. You do have Corey Lindsley at center going into the final year of his contract. He's another one of those veterans the Packers will be making a decision on as far as a contract extension here sometime within the next 12 months. But, uh, but looking at offensive tackle, and I'll glance at my notes here for a second, with regard to some of the prospects that are out there, there's kind of a consensus on the top four or five offensive tackles in this draft, but there certainly isn't a guarantee that any of those four or five guys is going to be there for the Packers at 30 if that's where they're targeting. And I'm talking about guys like Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Andrew Thomas from Georgia, uh, Becton from Louisville, and Josh Jones from Houston. Now, Josh Jones is one the one guy who's maybe outside of uh, you know those top four that there's a lot of varying opinions as to where he might fall in this draft. But then other guys, and these would be guys maybe that could be there at 62 at the end of the second round if the Packers are inclined to go that way. Austin Jackson from USD, maybe Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. He's the other tackle uh, on the opposite side from Andrew Thomas, who's the higher rated tackle from Georgia. And then Prince Tega Winoga, if I'm saying that correctly, from Auburn, another offensive tackle being talked about in that, that second round range. So there are going to be some options there for the Packers but again when you're at 30 when you're at 62 who's going to be there and can you get the right value for the pick to address those future concerns that we're talking about one thing I love about when we do the draft series Spoff is always the one that has to say all the prospects names <laughs> I always get to come in afterwards after you actually have gone through it and pained yourself to make sure you get all these pronunciations correct uh Josh Jones is the guy I've had my eye on uh this entire process I just think that as you've seen that position and where he could potentially fit. He's the only senior in those top picks. Uh, a lot of experience there at Houston, certainly had a lot of success at the college level. But it seems like his projections keep, it can be anywhere from 15 to 30 to maybe second round. You don't really know where he's going to fall, uh, yeah. but a lot of ability there, a lot of talent. I think he's a guy to have my eye on. Uh, as far as second round, Austin Jackson is probably the one. If he would be there that late, I don't know. And Ezra Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland's a tall dude. If, if he can get his pad level right, I think he can be a really big success at this level too. It's not the deepest group ever, and there's some questions in terms of where these guys are going to play at the next level, but there are a lot of options and body types for Brian Gutekunst to take a look at. Yeah, just a couple other notes. Uh, Austin Jackson from USC, he's the one whose grandfather played for the Packers, I believe it was, yeah. back in the, the 1970s. And then you mentioned Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. I kind of look at him a, a lot like Josh Jones, just in the sense of there's talk of him being anywhere from maybe being picked 20th in the first round to anywhere all the way down through the second round. There's a lot of varying opinions as to, as to where he might go. You see some reports that some team wants to trade up for him in the first round, and then others are saying, well, you know, he'll be there in the second round. So 
who knows? I mean, uh, you know, we're still six days away at this point from uh, this first round kicking off, and there, there are going to be a lot of trades, machinations, teams shifting around trying to find the right value based on how they have guys rated on their board, and, uh, and we'll just have to see exactly where Brian Gutekunst has some of these guys rated. His decisions are going to tell us that. Absolutely. And I want to jump in here and mention this is, I love these type of prospects, by the way, the guys that people don't know if they're going to go 20 or 60, because a lot of times the guys that end up falling into the second round, they're the ones that everybody thought were a surefire first round pick. And then suddenly they're there. What's wrong with them? But then you look at, you know, a guy like Darnell Savage last year, a lot of people didn't think he was a first round pick right away. He ends up being the first defensive back on the, off the board. You know how many times I bring up Leighton Vanderesh, a guy that at the combine a number of years ago was seen as a second or third rounder. He works his way into the first round. Those guys that sometimes have those wide projections end up going on the earlier side of that because as much as there's questions out there about them, there's a lot of intrigue as well as, you know, from NFL scouts. So Uh, For that reason, whether it's Josh Jones or whether it's Cleveland, some of these guys, I like those question marks because I think that shows their upside and their stealing and how that could potentially impact an NFL roster. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shifting gears here to the defensive line, the way I put this in the written series that is uh, that I I've been posting on the site on a daily basis, looking at the Packers roster position by position, the perfect world scenario for the green Bay Packers is to be able to extend Kenny Clark and find the next Kenny Clark. Now that's absolutely, you know, having your cake and eating it too, so to speak. But Brian Gutekunst has made no bones about the fact that he wants Kenny Clark in a Packer uniform long-term. He's now entering the fifth year option from his rookie contract as a first round pick in 2016. The Packers want to work out a deal. They want to extend Kenny Clark. And they did extend Dean Lowry last year. But after that, you have Tyler Lancaster, you have Montrevious Adams, and you have Kingsley Kiki, a sixth-round draft pick from a year ago. All of those guys still, you know, you hope that they're still developing and, and haven't necessarily reached their peak yet. But this is a position, I think, if the right guy is there, whether you're talking at 30 or at 62, I don't see Brian Gutekunst hesitating whatsoever to make that pick and add to that defensive line and hope that that's the next Kenny Clark if that guy is there for him. There's been a lot of interviews and types of like things I've done leading up to the draft here of people asking, you know, what are the Packers going to do with number 30? Are they going to move up? Are they going to move back? Are they going to go with receiver finally for the first time in 18 years? You don't know, but you can go off of history and you can go off percentages. If you were asking me, okay, Wes, you got to pick a spot here. You have to pick a player you basically look at the past 20 years, offensive line, defensive line, that's more often or not been the way the Packers have gone. And for that very reason, I always take scouting those players, reading about those players very seriously, because as it goes back to that old adage that Ted Thompson always used to say, you're familiar with it, Mike, I'm sure we bring it up on the show every year. There's only so many of those guys (laughs) on this planet and there's even fewer of them that can actually run, jump, all those type of things that you look for in a professional football player. Right. And you put a premium on that position. You look at where the Packers stand right now. Kenny Clark, I think undoubtedly is going to go down as probably one of the top 10 picks that Ted Thompson had because he found him at the end of the first round. And this is a guy that is now at 24 years old, one of the best at his position in the league. Dean Lowry signed the extension last year. I'm sure if you ask Dean, he probably wanted to make more of an impact than he was able to, but still a very consistent, durable player for them. Has not missed a game yet due to injury. And those are your two building blocks there on the defensive line. 
who's going to be that third person though? Because as much as we have talked about, oh, the league's moving towards a passing league, we're seeing more two down linemen looks. Mike, I didn't run the actual percentages, but I would I would have a hard time believing that base defense has been down as much as I think everybody says it is. Packers ran a lot of it last year, whether it was a different type of variation, but they've had a lot of three defensive linemen on the field at the same time. So you're looking at Montrevious Adams, you're looking at Kiki, you're looking at Tyler Lancaster. You want to see those guys step up, but a lot of times the best way to get the most out of that room is to find a real nice athlete like they did with Kenny Clark in 2016, throw them in there and let those guys, you know, compete for that playing time. Well, that, that's what I think dictates what you do from a defensive perspective with regard to your packages is what type of defensive lineman do you have? And if the Packers, I mean, Kenny Clark is, he's that every down all around lineman. He can, he can stop the run. He can take on double teams. He can get after the quarterback. He can do all of those things. Well, you add a second guy who's just like that. I don't care whether you call it nickel or base or sub package, whatever you want to call it. If you have two guys like that playing almost every down on the defensive line, your defensive coordinator has all kinds of flexibility with how he wants to package everybody else at the linebacker level and and at the secondary level. So that's the kind of, and and that's how the San Francisco 49ers, frankly, the defending NFC champions, that's how they built their defense. They built their defense by spending first round picks or, trading or signing former first round picks to build that defensive line. Now they ended up trading, I believe it was DeForest Buckner this, yep. uh, this off season. So there's talk that the 49ers at number 31 picking right after the Packers might be in the market for another defensive lineman as well because of their trade of, of Buckner. They want to try to keep that same style, that same core of defense in terms of type of players together to make another run at a Super Bowl. So this is going to be really interesting to me how this shakes out at the at the end of the first round because, uh, and we all know, the Packers didn't stop the run well enough against San Francisco in January, and that's why the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. And, and let's be honest, Mike, I'm going to flash forward to a year from right at this moment. I fully expect that David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, both of those guys are going to be in the long-term plans for the Packers. I, I, I see them too. being here for the next four or five years. Yeah. But in Clark's specific spot, you what you want to do is you want to be able to build that up. Now, whether it takes a first-round pick or not, you don't know. But you want to be able to use him in different ways so he doesn't have to do everything. Because as great as Kenny Clark is, you can't always expect him to play 80% of the defensive snaps every single year, especially as he gets older. You want to be smarter with him. You want to take him out of certain run packages. You want to be able to take him out of certain pass packages. You want to maximize his value and make sure that that guy is going to give you 110% physically. You know you're going to get it mentally, but being able to give everything he has when he's on the field. That's why, and, and you know, we'll get into some prospects here, but these last few years, you know, you've had a guy or two that you've mentioned. I, the one I always like to use is Elvin Kamara. You were on that train before anybody else. And I think Ross Blacklock is one of those guys this year. I didn't know Ross Blacklock until you brought up his name at the NFL Scouting Combine. And I've done a lot of research on the young man. He has a different body type than Clark. He's about the same height, but he's a little smaller, about 20, 30 pounds smaller. But those 290-pound defensive tackles now, Mike, they're infiltrating the league and they're making big impacts. That's a guy that could potentially, if the Packers would go that direction, maybe take off some of those pass rushing duties from Clark or being able to at least use them in different ways to be able to give you more of a two-headed approach in the trenches. Yeah, and just to, to uh, run down some names, as far as guys that are being talked about in that, that late first round or into the second round on the defensive line, you mentioned Blacklock from TCU. He's getting a lot of uh, 
uh, a lot of publicity in terms of people wondering how much the Packers are interested. Um, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma would be another one. Marlon Davidson from Auburn. He was another guy who really intrigued me at the combine from a personality standpoint, really interesting guy. And, and just like I was talking about with Georgia, with the offensive tackles, Davidson is sort of the second guy from Auburn because Derek Brown, the top defensive lineman from Auburn, he's being talked about as a possible top five, top 10 pick. But then Davidson is the, is that second guy from that same defensive line unit. Uh, Justin, Matabike, if I'm saying that correctly, from Texas A&M. And then also Raekwon Davis, another one from Alabama, um, who's been talked about in that late first round or, or second round, you know, day two type of mix. So again, you just don't always know where these guys are going to go. And, and, you know, with a lot of these prospects, I mean, as we talk about all the time, Wes, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. There are some teams who will have certain guys rated as the 15th or 20th best player in the entire draft on their board. That same guy might be the 40th or 45th best guy on another team's board. So, um, and they, you know, they, they guard those opinions as, uh, as uh, well as they can leading up to uh, when this all starts next Thursday night. Yeah, and just to touch on, you know, obviously Gallimore has such an interesting story, uh, Canadian, and a guy that went to a prep school. I think his parents are paying $16,000 a year or something like that for him to go. And, you know, Canada, you know, the Great North is not known for a lot of NFL prospects. Uh, and here was a guy that put in everything he had to try getting a college scholarship. He did that at Oklahoma, was very productive there. And then also, as you mentioned, uh, Matabuki, yeah, I can't pronounce his name. He played last year uh, or two years ago with Kingsley Kiki, very similar type of skill sets. He really yeah. came on as a senior. I think he had 11 sacks or something like that. Um, Madibuki, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. That means the Packers are going to draft him, and I'm going to have to learn how to pronounce that. But <laughs> it, it's those type of guys that I think, whether the Packers go first, second round, if they want to go high with the defensive linemen, again, much like with the offensive line, uh, a lot of different guys that could really be a complimentary piece and potentially help them out depending on what they're looking for. Yeah. And just getting back to Blacklock for a second too, he's the one whose uh, father has been the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters. So I, I just, his, his story to me is, is, uh, is fascinating. And like I said, with Davidson from Auburn Blacklock from a personality standpoint, just a really interesting guy to listen to him talk at the combine and, and tell his story. Um, there are definitely some, uh, some personalities in this defensive line group. And uh, we'll see if, uh, if ultimately one of them falls to the Packers at a place that Brian Brian Gutekunst feels there's good value to take one. Yeah, and even if they don't take one in the first three days, as I mentioned earlier, I think it goes back to 1995 or 96, somewhere around there was the last time the Packers have not drafted a defensive lineman. So death taxes and defensive <laughs> linemen, you can count on them every year for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. We'll continue our position by position preview series next week when we return for now thank you for watching everybody enjoy your weekend take care and stay safe